What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, I, I'm going to split this into two because I... I uh, I have to get some thoughts off my chest about free agency and what went on with the Nuggets and the uh, full court press of spin that happened after after the uh, free agency period basically ended for the Denver Nuggets. Um, and uh, in the second half, I'm going to talk to you about why it has been difficult for me to connect with uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, and it's something that is uh, Jeff-based. It's not based on anything else, but something that goes on in my head. But if you want to stay around for my own mental gymnastics, uh, go ahead. It, it'll be may be enlightening for some people. But first off, the free agency. Um, the Nuggets lost Bruce Brown. Um, I, I have to reiterate something that I have been talking about over and over and over again. And I, I'm starting to get like annoyed the Nuggets Twitter doesn't listen to me here um the salary cap floor was more impactful than these than the second apron you know sort of hard cap that they had uh, uh tried to put in um I'm going to be honest with you the, the cap floor was going to result in some ridiculous contracts and lo and behold it did um, there were things handed out that, uh, including the contract, the uh, two years, 45 million to Bruce Brown, which admittedly has a team option in the second year, but you know, that's still 20. He tripled almost, you know, he really did triple almost what, uh, the Nuggets could offer him in one year. Um, the salary floor was just going to have those inflated contracts and you didn't see anything. Uh, I, I mean, look at what the Houston Rockets hand, handed out. Um, they are an extremely young team and they handed out um, hundred uh, about a hundred, 200 and something million between uh, um, uh, Fred Van Vliet and uh, uh, Dylan Brooks of all people. So like, this is, this is, Nothing but teams trying to guarantee they were hitting a the cap floor, um, which is fine. But it was the number one factor in these things. So anyway, the Nuggets lost Bruce Brown. Um, they lost Thomas Bryant, who, let's face it, wasn't going to have a role anyway. Um, Jack White left for, you know, probably a chance to play. Let's put it to you that way. Um, and uh, they also lost Jeff Green, and the Nuggets really did want to keep Jeff Green. I know we all had some issues, with myself included, with Jeff Green and the fact that, you know, he is old and really has diminished skill. But the Nuggets wanted to keep him, but they wanted to keep him at the league minimum. Uh, and uh, he left for $6 million. I mean, no one blames him at that point. So the Nuggets' free agency period is was summed up by re-signing Reggie Jackson, and I'll get to that in a minute, and uh, signing um, Justin Holiday for the the mid, uh, for the uh, vet minimum, which is, they got a, they got a holiday, but they didn't get the one they, they've been, they had been wanting for years, um, and also re-signing DeAndre Jordan, who's just going to sit on the bench, um, it, it, I don't think I don't understand why it should be a controversial say thing to say that they on the margins the Nuggets got worse. I mean, this seems like it was should be a no brainer. The Nuggets got considerably younger. 
um, even with the signing of Justin Holliday. Um, they are, and hopefully Justin Holliday will not have a prominent role on this team. They are counting on young guys again. And you get the feeling that this current administration of the Denver Nuggets is very fond of their draft picks, which is something I've heard over and over and over again. And sometimes that is a good thing, and sometimes it is a uh, indication that you're being too clever. And I'm trying to decide which one that is for the Denver Nuggets. Um, they are currently... Uh, trying to heavily count in this now. I mean, unless something, a trade happens or whatever, which I don't anticipate happening. They're counting on one, the starting lineup getting better, and two, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, um, the draft picks and Pickett, and um, uh, maybe even uh, Strother to, like, produce. And... This is this is something that happens when um, you are very fond of your draft picks. Now, it is said that um, it's better to have draft picks than it is to count on vet minimums. I'll be honest with you, folks. Uh, when they, whenever they say stuff like that, it's me. It means because they don't want to contemplate moving a significant piece. So. Uh, say for the Denver Nuggets, they, um, they had, you know, obviously the starting lineup is locked in. Um, you know, they, they obviously were at a point where they said like, well, we don't want to make any severe alterations. So like any team can get out of any deal. So if they wanted to trade Michael Porter Jr., they could have traded him. That's why when people hand ring about these contracts, I always laugh because every NBA team can get out from under any NBA contract. It's, it's, it's something that is just part of the life. So with the Nuggets committed to what they're doing in the starting lineup, and they put out there that they were very committed to uh, what they were doing. And uh, first of all, I'm, I've heard conflicting things about there's the level of surprise when Bruce Brown got a um, $22 million for one year plus a $22 million play, um, team option in the next year for from Indiana, which doesn't make sense to me because the Nuggets were aware of the salary cap floor and there was going to be some team, i.e. Indiana, that offers him an extremely inflated contract. This is going to happen. This was in the cards. I think the Nuggets felt that if they were off, they that he was offered a mid-level, say like anywhere from twelve point whatever to just above the mid-level, that they could they could be rely on their cajoling um, and uh, good graces of Bruce Brown to bring him back on a on a one plus one and then re-sign him when they have his bird rights to a you know something like fifty million dollars in four years or three years. Um, this is something that um, you have to you have to do a lot of uh, mental gymnastics to in order for that sort of thing to work. Um, knowing that Brown was always going to get an inflated offer, this was always going to happen, folks. I've been telling you all about this for months now. Bruce Brown was going to get a big offer from someone. And he would have been stupid not to take it because in, in, in with the Nuggets situation, he would have to basically count on their good graces 
to get him anything what he deserves, which I would say that $22 million is not what Bruce Brown deserves, but I would say probably in the 12 to 15 a year, it would be a probably a good thing to ask for Bruce Brown. And they would have to wait on, on them to come around to doing that again. So with all that being said, Bruce Brown's gone. Uh, and uh, now the Nuggets are in a one of those very unusual positions for a champion team that just won championship to where they ostensibly got younger. And um, this doesn't happen often. This tells me a couple things. I am not on the inside anymore, by the way. I don't even think – I don't I, – I, I know I have sources throughout the league and in the Nuggets, but I, I don't, I, I am not there every day. I don't talk to people. So this is just my opinion from the outside. Um, the Nuggets went to plan B and plan B was, uh, I don't think the plan B was Reggie Jackson. I'll be honest with you guys. I think uh, Reggie Jackson is a space filler um, and inflated at inflated money. I don't think they count on on Reggie Jackson to be a player anything more than what he showed last year. I, I'll be honest with you. This is all about the Nuggets draft picks. I've said this over and over and over again. They are very fond of their draft picks. This particular uh, administration within the Nuggets, they're very fond of their draft picks. They are very fond of Christian Brown and Peyton Watson and, and Jalen Pickett and uh, Julian Strother and that uh, Hunter Tyson dude. They're very fond of these picks. They, they like them. They like uh, Kamigate too. They like them. They will tell everyone on the planet that they like these guys. The problem is you have a team that is in a win-now window, and when you get guys who, young guys, it is always, regardless of whether they have, I mean, Christian Brown was in a unique situation. Christian Brown was deliberately surrounded by tons of veterans. Um, so, and he had to fight his way on and go through times when he could, didn't play. Um, in order for, for young guys to develop, they need to play consistently. So the Nuggets are banking on, I said this on Twitter, the Nuggets are banking on having uh, guys who played a long time in college, like Tyson, um, like Pickett, to be these guys that come in and you can just plug in and play and they don't have to occupy a ton of minutes. So this is this is a, a, a strategy based on getting long-time college people so um not banking on quote-unquote upside getting the high floor but low ceiling kind of kind of guys but even though we were hearing a lot of propaganda about about uh, picket right now um th- it is a th- that is that is something that is very very clear that which is viable strategy the problem was as soon as you lost bruce brown who was your sixth man and someone who closed games um, it blew an entire hole in everything that you had established last year. Yes, the bench was bad last year, even with Bruce Brown, but the whole ecosystem within what the Nuggets were, were, were trying to do focused basically around having Bruce Brown there, regardless of how he was actually playing. And you saw that pay, play out in the playoffs. It was all based around Bruce Brown, what Bruce Brown was able to do. So... Essentially, the Nuggets have said, okay, Reggie Jackson, we're going to give you uh, $10 million for two years and the player option in the second year. 
Um, this, hopefully this will motivate uh, uh, Reggie Jackson to play better than he did last year, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for all intents and purposes, this is all about Jalen Pickett. This is all about Christian Brown. This is all about uh, Julian Strother. This is all about Hunter Tyson. This is all about these guys that they signed. This, this is a gamble. This is, and this is going to put, in my view, a ton of strain on the, on the starting lineup, uh, even more than last year. And there is where I start to worry. You know, everyone is rolling their eyes at me with this uh, right now with my worries here. But um, Malone is not in the business of developing people right now. He is in the business of winning games and maintaining uh, a championship level. And it even with the highest floor guys, there still has there is a learning curve with the NBA, and there's no guarantee that they're that Pickett, Tyson. Strother, uh, any of these guys um, will be able to do that. Now, Brown is different. Brown was had won a championship. He was a feature player with uh, Kansas. They won a championship, and he was he fought his way onto the roster. And he was a he was a a guy that they're counting on to probably do more than he is going to be able to do. Um, and that is another part to this. Now. All that being said, the Nuggets are still going to be great, and it's going to be almost entirely reliant on the on the starting lineup. So, as I said at the beginning of the segment, they're trying, kind of counting on the starting lineup to get better, even better than they were last year. That is the um, it's draft picks in the starting lineup getting better. That is the gambit right now. Now, people are saying, "Well, what could the Nuggets have done?" I don't, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Seth Curry probably. Throwing in shots off the bench would have been a better investment than Reggie Jackson, but you know I'm I'm not a guy in, who's building teams, and I've proved over and over that I would make a terrible GM. But this this is a part of this uh, this mindset that is different from the Connolly regime. Connolly wanted to maintain but improve. Um, this regime seems to be very fond of the people they drafted. And it seems to be centered around that right now, especially this year. It is a gambit that I am unsure of. I think the Nuggets are still great, but they're they took a step back, and I and I don't think that is disputable. I think that is just everything they did yet last year really was centered around Bruce Brown, and him being able to being plugged into certain situations, particularly in the playoffs. Um, now there's obviously the deadline and all this stuff, but I mean, as we've seen from Reggie Jackson himself, it's pretty rare that deadline moves make a playoff winning contribution. I'll put it to you that way. So uh, it's going to be a good and to great year for the Denver Nuggets. They may, they probably will pile up some regular season wins, um, but they lost that thing and they're what the Nuggets are selling to everyone is that it doesn't matter because we're great at drafting. And I think that is a flawed approach for a championship team. I think that's a great approach for a rebuilding team or a team that is uh, a, a, a team that is on the rise that is like in mid uh, ascension. It is a risky proposition for a team that already won a championship and is looking to repeat. And that is the only thing I'll say on that.
All right, uh, I'm going to take a break. on On the other side of the break, we're going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about my own mental thing here and uh, my journey with uh, kind of being disconnected lately. So we'll get to that right after the break. When the Denver Broncos won the uh, 1998 Super Bowl, well, January 1998, um, it, it was a weird thing with me. I kind of just disconnected from the Broncos after that. <laughs> that is very much a Jeff thing. I I kind of I did I it was like they got the mountaintop and I just didn't care anymore. And uh the Nuggets have always been my my first team. Uh that is that's that's I I, I mean most people in Denver, it's the Broncos. For me, it was the Nuggets and the Broncos second. And the Nuggets were always the most frustrating and downtrodden and all this kind of organization even going back to the days when there was only two uh, sports teams uh, major league sports teams and uh in denver and uh i kind of um had a moment because when i was euphoric absolutely euphoric when the nuggets beat the lakers when they beat the miami heat i was kind of like you know it's cool and I'm trying to, I have been trying to process that. And I think there's two things at play here as you, uh, as you were listening to this or my armchair psychologists. I think I had got to the point where my absolute mountaintop was the Nuggets slaying the dragon, which was, which was the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. And they did it, and they did it in convincing fashion and by sweeping. Every game was close, but it was a sweep. And uh, when they played the, the, the Heat, and it was an, an anti-climax, you know. Uh, and I, I kind of rationalized that, and I kind of was like, okay, well, this is probably what's going on. I'm Jeff's, Jeff's just uh, was the, the, the finals were the anti-climax because you, you beat the, the big bad uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, there's, there's probably a significant portion of that going on with me mentally. Another part of it is that I, my own place within the media landscape, uh, as someone who has been largely unpaid doing this as a, as someone who was a pioneer of this kind of media in the Denver area, I kind of got to the point where I'm like, it's not even, I mean, it, it, and it has nothing and not much to do with the nuggets. I suppose it has more to do with me and having really no place within the media landscape anymore. And this is something that I've been struggling with this week. Uh, I have attempted to record podcasts about eight times. Yeah, eight. Yesterday I tried again and I couldn't do it. And I have been reaching a point to where... I, I, what am I fighting? And my fighting has been something that happens to everyone, specifically as you get older and you progress through life. There is, you, it is hard to, uh, it is hard to come to the realization <laughs> that what you did is in the past and what you largely accomplished was in the past and uh, what you're doing right now isn't as relevant as the stuff you did 10 years ago. And that cold, and I do mean cold realization, it smacked me in the face 
uh, big time. I, I got to, I got to the point where I was like, oh man, I have been passed by completely. And I, well, a lot of it was something I did to myself. I, I, I stopped writing. I, I stopped contributing to the, to the beat and everyday coverage of the Denver Nuggets and stuff like that. I, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I was never comfortable with writing, although I did write a piece uh, that uh, people did not like uh, when I, uh, uh, on Medium a, a few days ago about Nuggets Free Agency. But other than that, I just kind of like, I, I just, I don't have a... I, I, I kind of like I'd lost my place I, and I think that is something that was inevitably going to happen but I I lost wherever I was within the Nuggets media landscape and and and, and it has gone from from someone who basically people listen to and this is something that I've been facing with this podcast is that I as many people who download this podcast and it's many many people um, you go to DNVR, you go to Locked on Nuggets, you go to Pickaxe and Roll, and you go to a bunch of other podcasts before you go to me to talk about analysis of the Denver Nuggets. And a lot of that has to do with me. I, I did this to myself because I stopped contributing and writing about it. So as the finals were going on, it just, it just dawned on me that I, I like, I have... I have niched myself to into oblivion. Now, some of this is because I just don't have the energy to to do the beat, basically, in uh, with no not being paid. <laughs> My desire to be doing that has uh, has diminished over the years. Um, but I I think in the grand scheme of things, um, when I look at it. I, I have become uh, marginalized due to the, my own actions, and my own actions led to a point where I was talking into the wind about certain things. I, I, I have got great guests to come on here. I'm not, I'm not giving up the podcast. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm not, I'm not going away. People don't get the wrong idea of me talking right now. But what I am facing is how do I embrace my own irrelevancy? And it, it finally occurred to me today as I was uh, sitting around thinking like, well, what's the point of doing a podcast? I was like, yeah, embrace the fact that you're irrelevant. And, and I, think, I think this is something that uh, a lot of people struggle to do. I mean, it's like you reach the point where you aren't the leading voice doing something anymore and then you're like what how do i how do i right rather than desperately trying to stay relevant maybe i should embrace my irrelevancy and just don't give a shit anymore and i think i think this is going to be the healthiest thing that i can do for me and for the listeners of this podcast going forward because honestly the whole I don't give a shit thing is a very freeing thing, and I don't. My, my, my ability to criticize the Nuggets is still there, and I'll still keep doing that. You don't come to, to CSG for, uh, to listen to someone who is going to wave pom-poms at, about the Denver Nuggets every decision. Um, I, I'm going to be a little more free now, and I think what was holding me back was just trying to remain relevant in something that I just, I, it is not possible for me to be relevant in anymore. 
And I'm not talking about Jeff 2.0 here. It's just, just, I'm just going to just do whatever I want to do. I mean, I've got a second podcast that I love doing, and I hope everyone can uh, embraces that. I may throw in some stuff here that are along the same lines of uh, what I was, I'm doing on the Gen X show, which is my second podcast. But on, on, on this one, it's like, you know, I've, I've now to the point now where I'm just that realization of me being my own irrelevancy has unlocked me. And I think I actually appreciate that now. Now that I've had that epiphany, I can say, okay, you are, you are relevant. Now I can just go out there and say what I need to say and not care anymore. I'm on the outside. And I said this uh, a few years ago. I said, I'm the Nuggets outsider. And I was saying that jokingly at the time, but I, <laughs> to be honest with you, it's, it's pretty true right now. I am the Nuggets outsider. I don't... I'm not plugged in like I used to be, um, and um, like, like once again, not blaming anyone but me. I, I unplugged, and I think my inability to understand that in my my own irrelevancy in the current media landscape is actually something that is a very good thing. Uh, I think I think. Now that I, my, my failure to, to do that kind of held me back. I did is basically what I'm saying. And, and I'm not going to be held back anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want to do on this fucking podcast. And, and includes swearing. I'm going to get creative guests, get whoever I want to have on here because I no longer need to be relevant within the nuggets media sphere. And I no longer need to be part of that ecosystem. I can do whatever the hell I want. I can make this thing as unique as possible. And if you want to come with me on this ride, please come with me on this ride. CSG's been going since 2011. I don't see any end, end point for this podcast. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of you that has come with me on this journey, particularly since I've been doing this solo for the last six, seven years. Um, I've tried to turn this into something uh, that's a little unique and, and something that stands out. But now that I know that my role within the what what represents the Denver media is uh, is gone, I can do whatever the fuck I want, and I will. So, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. I'm going to be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.